Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Welcome to today's Control the Chaos conversation. And we are here with the chaos queen of the 70s. And I am just so excited. Leslie is my Google Nana. And she just makes me feel so much better about life. I just remember when I got accepted into the Google Innovator Academy, this huge chat started. And Leslie was one of those people in the chat. And I just knew... I had all this anxiety about going to Australia and like they drive on the wrong side of the road. They eat Vegemite. Um, They're very active. They run everywhere. (laughs) And Leslie knew all the answers. Leslie knew everything about Australia's history. She made it so when we got there, I was like, oh yeah, Leslie talked about that animal we might see. Um, And it made it just a lot more welcoming and easier to come to Australia. So Leslie, thank you for welcoming me to Australia and thank you for being a mentor and a friend to me. But will you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, this is great. I'm so pleased to to catch up with you again, Stephanie, and also to meet Tara. This is really exciting. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Me, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Australia on the east coast of Australia. That's mainly where where my habitat is. Um, uh, we're married, we have three sons grown up and they have families of their own. Um, last year I celebrated, quietly celebrated my 50th year in education. Um, and I, I really always wanted to be a teacher much to my parents, you know, angst. Um, they could think of nothing worse, but, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be better than the worst and as good as the best that I'd ever had and to make a difference. It's pretty much who I am. Quietly celebrated. I feel like you should definitely loudly celebrate 50 years in education. It's kind of a, it's kind of a dual um, headed situation because I, you know, I was really excited that I was still involved in education, working with teachers, not in a classroom. That's why I don't call myself a teacher. I call myself an educator now because teachers are the ones who are working there uh, in the classroom with students. Um, But then when you say, oh, I've been uh, in education for more than 30 years, that was kind of my little vague mention, people go, oh. (laughs) So it was, you get mixed reactions. kudos to you because now you have people wanting to jump ship after like year three so 50 years is impressive so i'm sure that you have a ton of stuff that you could share over the three or 50 years that you've been an educator so getting into the nitty-gritty of it looking back what do you wish you would have known um i wished i would have known to believe in myself. You know, I had ideas, um, I lacked confidence, I really needed to be guided. 
um, I really needed to believe in myself. If I saw something that needed to be changed slightly or tweaked, improved, I, I wished I'd known that I had the ability to do that, professionally to do that. <clears throat> yeah, and I remember Leslie at the Google Innovator Academy, and I love when she shares this. She, she looked around the room and she saw what, Leslie? What everybody was younger than I was, you know, <laughs> I was in the wrong place. I just thought, you know, and, and I didn't see that, you know, I just saw Leslie of this person with so much wisdom and knowledge and kind hearted person, but yet that that's what she saw. Well, um, yeah, you know, you have that imposter syndrome when you go into those big uh, educational situations, and the Innovator Academy was the you know the most professional. Uh, professional development that we had ever had and it was so exciting we all had this imposter syndrome I sat down I looked around and I thought I could be everybody's mother here so I was a bit nervous about that nobody tweaked I don't think so I have a question for you kind of leading off of what you were just saying so you didn't have the confidence at the time so what are some tips do you think for new educators, new teachers, new people stepping in, stepping into different roles in education, ways to build that confidence and and see the importance in what they do every day. I really think the, the important thing, I wish I had had it when I started in education, um, uh, to have a mentor, to find a mentor, to either sign up for a mentoring program, and there are programs available now teachers are so lucky to help kind of calm that entry into that it is a chaotic world when I started in my first year of teaching um, I had a list of children's names that's all you got just a list and um, there were about 22 23 children on the list but 47 turned up I, I really thought that I might have had their younger siblings I wasn't sure but by the end of the week, I realised I had 47 students. And, yeah, that was like first day out and three of them spoke English. <clears throat> so it was, um, you know, it was a really big first week. Um, and, like, I, I was on my own. I had, I'm trying to remember what, uh, you know, what I'd learned in teacher's college. I was trying to learn on the go. There were, uh, there was... Uh, it was really difficult. Uh, by, by my third year, um, uh, along came a person, and I'll name her because she's wonderful, Pat Will. And I was about ready to leave the school at that stage, but Pat Will arrived and she had been teaching several more years than I had and she had vision, she had confidence. She showed me the ability to question what was happening, the status quo, don't accept it, Let's just talk about how we can improve something like no playground duty ever or, um, you know, there's no resources or let's see how we can get around it. <clears throat> so I had uh, three or four really lovely years with her before I had to move on. Mentoring, I think that's the key. So are you saying she taught you to be a rebel? Uh, yeah, she, <laughs> she paved the way. She, Paid the way. I mean, like there was no in a lot of schools there there wasn't a rule that you had to have playground duty. So because our playground was so small and we had like 47, 50 kids each, we would just pack them all up at lunchtime and go for a walk down the road. 
and have lunch in the park, get to know our students, get them off the playground, you know, have lunches together. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she she helped me question um, and develop my ability. She believed in me where a lot of the times I didn't. I think we all need that person that believes in us or nudges us. I know I need that person like, hey, you should try this opportunity or hey, you should present at this conference instead of me going and signing up for it. It's those people that nudge me and I'm like, oh, I guess I could, you know, I'll try that. But without those people in our life, sometimes you don't get outside of your comfort zone. No, no that's right. I agree. Yeah. And so going on, what are some maybe resources or strategies do you wish you would have known about um, that maybe you didn't have? Oh, we didn't have many resources, full stop. We did have a box of Cuisinier rods. I don't know whether that was before your time. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's why I included a link so you can actually see the picture. Cuisinier rods was a maths counting activity. They're all, uh, you know, units uh, and they're all different colours. So orange was 10 and white was one. So you could, you know, like you could do fractions and so forth. Um, but I inherited about 100 boxes that were all this really strange grey colour. Um, <laughs> so I took them home and I bleached them all, all the uh, rods everywhere, all over the mum's brand new kitchen. Um, and, and I got food colouring and, you know, it was Pat and I, we, we got in and we just changed the face of Cuisinier rods in the school. Um, so it suddenly made sense to the children about fractions and adding up with this concrete material. But um, like reading books, we didn't, we, what was it, Jane and Dick and Spot, you know, see Spot run, run, Spot, run. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. So I took my camera out every weekend and I took photos of the children's homes because it was all within walking distance of the little school. And um, I think the parents are a bit, you know, wondering why their teacher was kneeling down at the front gate, because that's the height of the children, kneeling down at the front gate, taking photos of the home. But I would make up individual reading books. This is my gate. This is my door. This is my home. Um, and then we built on it. That was our reading, because the other reading, you know, Pat and I just kind of tossed that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, resources were pretty thin on. And that's the first version of home visits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Home visits. We went, we, every Tuesday, we used to go, we thought we'd do two or three families on a Tuesday. That didn't work out. That didn't work out at all because we would go and visit a family home on Tuesday. We'd take our little pack lunch and our little bottle of water. And, um, but then it soon grew into like every Tuesday, it was like a wedding feast all the family and the uncles and the aunties and the grandparents and the cousins, they were all there to meet the teacher. All we wanted to do was meet the parents and understand why, where they were from, know a bit more about our students. So yeah, that was, Pat and I put on a lot of weight that year <laughs> because of these huge meals and welcoming, uh, but we wanted to learn about each of the families. That's amazing. I, I want to be like you right now. I know. <laughs> Talk about ways to build relationships. I mean, that's it right there. I, 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 we didn't get any. We didn't get anything with a student who turned up at the door. One day, I remember uh, the principal brought twins to the door, Amal and Emil. I remember them, and they were from Lebanon. They couldn't speak English, and they came in through the door wide-eyed. They were frozen in fear, 
my classroom was pretty active. <clears throat> and um, and it wasn't until later on during the day that I was having some fun activity. We were galloping around the room, making a lot of noise, and they dived under a table and wouldn't come out. It was Monday morning. I had these two extra children. I didn't know anything about them. So I took them to the front gate in the afternoon to meet the parents who brought these children to school. Um, can you tell me more about them? That was Monday. The weekend they'd arrived in Australia and the previous week they had, with their family, been creeping closer and closer to the airport through Bond streets in Lebanon. So I didn't know that when they came to the door. So that's when Pat and I realised that we really needed to build our own, you know, like enrolment information. That's wow. insane. I just like the personalised books too. I'm like, you had to go out and I'm sure you had to get the film. Like 36 was the cheapest, 36 film. You took about three pictures for each student. Then I had to have them processed and then I glued them in a book and then we would like change pronouns and we would do a lot of writing in the book and I'd type it all up. What did I write it? I think we had typewriter. We had, I might have put it on the jelly pad because we had no photocopiers. Ooh, ooh, tell us about the jelly pad. That sounds... Like something I want to learn about. You were, judged, you were judged on the quality of your jelly pad, I can tell you this. Um, it, it was a DIY printing um, tool that you had. You learned how to do it at Teachers College. Um, so you built uh, a, like a recipe. It was a gelatine recipe and it was poured into a scone tray that had a bit of a wall around it. We call them scone trays, not a biscuit tray because it's flat. Scone tray. So when it's set, then you would write on a piece of paper with a, like a hectograph purple pencil, you would write your master. And then you would place that master on the jelly pad, warm the sheet down until it transferred onto the jelly, peeled off the master, and that's where your skill came into it because if you created divots, your jelly pad wasn't any good. You peeled that off, then you got a new piece of paper, put it on the jelly pad, warmed it down, and that was print number one. A jelly pad was only good for 20 uh, prints. So I had three jelly pads going to just to get one worksheet per week for the, you know, for the students. So oh, if I wanted to create, this is my house, I would write it, say, four or five times on a jelly pad, do all of that, cut it up, stick it in the children's books. That sounds like a lot of work where today... Well, you got a you got a Google slide. Yeah, that was handy. <laughs> I know, I know, and that's what like back then I'm talking about resources that we didn't have, but I think teachers like they're also confronted nowadays with the fact that there are so many resources. Which one do I choose? You know, how do I get through this? So it's not like saying uh, teachers back in the 70s had it tougher than teachers nowadays because that's not the case. Teaching is tough. And it's, it is rewarding, but it's tough. It's exhausting. And, um, and and the plethora of resources and strategies and tools that teachers have nowadays really need to just, you know, hone it down to just one. Do one thing at a time, and that's where you need your mentor to be able to say, choose one thing, do it well, move on to something else. Oh, absolutely. And we talk about that just in in my world with behavior and my biggest focus 
And when you have a kid that's struggling, we can't work on one, two, three, four, five things at a time and give this student like decision-making fatigue. We have to narrow it down. We even have to teach that to students, right? We have to get organized and we can only work on one or two things at a time. We gotta chunk it. So same goes for teachers. Absolutely, same goes for teachers because teachers are in decision fatigue. We're in COVID fatigue. Here in Australia, we're in bushfire fatigue. And then a few weeks later, it was COVID fatigue. And then uh, just recently, only five hours up the road here, uh, the Lismore, uh, the city of Lismore has been flooded three times, I think now. Uh, the whole CBD is wiped out. Uh, that was at the beginning of the year and they're just getting electricity on now. That's, can you imagine the fatigue of those teachers? Oh. I mean, they're all heroes in my eyes, all of them, every single one. It's a lot for a teacher. But listening to this, this is in my head. I like my you were an innovator, like before you were ever a Google innovator, right? Like you were an innovator. You have some really amazing stories. Back then, they called it back then. They called it a stirrer. <laughs> Yeah, they well, called it. They would call us a stirrer because we didn't uh, we didn't do what the rules, protocols, you know, that had been laid down for a decade or two um, demanded of you. You know, you questioned it. You you learnt to question it, and um, yeah, we were seen as um, probably stirrers, activists, questioners, and um, but you know, if if there's a safety reason or a health reason or an educational engagement reason well then you have the right to question it and find a better way to do it don't say we've always done it this way they were alive and well back then as well well and as as technology changes as society changes we have to change with it if we stay stagnant um, there's no growth. So we have to continue to grow and change and innovate as we move along. Because what we did 50 years ago, clearly we can't do today because society has changed. Hmm. So I'm looking at this right here, reverse garbage. I was oh, looking at that, that too. <laughs> Pat, I Pat hear found this that. story. Pat found that. Um, like we had like you cut out a piece of paper and that's called craft. No, we needed to do something better than that. And Pat discovered this brand new warehouse that had opened up just in the next suburb. We had to meet on Saturday. She was taking me to this reverse garbage and I thought, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Um, but she took me there and it was all the offcuts from all of the, you know, the, the factories around in the suburbs. So you had bins full of plastic tubing and bins full of coloured paper and it was all fresh, all new, but it was garbage according to the factories. So you would go in there and you'd fill up the trunk of the car and then, then they got wise, you had to buy a bag after that. But we would fill up the trunk of Pat's little white Mazda and we would drag it all back and open it all up on the floor in our classrooms and we work it, oh, we could build this and we could, oh, we could make picture frames with that. Oh, we could. And we had our craft supplies because we had no budget. So I looked it up only the other day and it's still going. It's got a big oh. website. It's all flash and wonderful. 
Still yeah, I wonder if we have this in the States because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, um, let's build our project box. Yeah, like this would be great for FedEx Day. This would be great for our makerspace. It says fill a bag or sack. Yeah. Warehouse tours, <laughs> maximum yeah. 50 students. And yeah, they even let the students come in and fill their bags too. Yeah, it's grown so much. We used to just get in there and fill our bags with anything. We it was like, you know, it was it was like Christmas. It was all free back then. And then, as I said, then they realised that it was a you know a money, and they would need to generate money because they were driving around collecting all this stuff from warehouses. But um, it was all good, clean offcuts and cardboard and paper and and oh, it was heaven. How many times did you go? Like once a month, twice a week. <laughs> Pretty much monthly, I think. Monthly. Time for another reverse garbage run. I haven't used the last lot. No, but they've just got new stock in. <laughs> It'll go. That's so much fun. So you mentioned earlier your class size. Now, I can't even fathom a class size when already right now we think of 28 to 30 as being a big class size. So when you had a class size like that, what what are some strategies that maybe you used? Oh, we, um, I mean, class sizes had been reduced from 100 and something to 45. So, you know, we were lucky. Um, you just had to work your strategies out because the strategies you were taught in teacher's college for that year really didn't apply you you had to find your way and I struggled um uh, and uh, needed to find my way to um you know to, to learn to you know to meet the students I mean Pat showed me you know let's go let's have lunch um you know meet meet the um the parents um to understand um I mean differentiation was really hard because these students were bright but they had no English and we had no way of communicating. Pat and I actually went and took Lebanese lessons. I think that was part of the lunchtime because the kids would then reinforce our pronunciation, which was hysterical. They thought it was very funny. <clears throat> but um, um, yes, you had to build your own strategies and you didn't have a community to share those strategies with. You were very isolated in those days. I mean, there was no computers, there's no internet, there was no mobile phones. Um, and you didn't really waltz up to a teacher and say, can I have your number? <laughs> I really like the things that you're doing. Can I have your number? Um, and it was, uh, we learnt more strategies when we found, see, there was no uh, in-service. You, you didn't go to, you know, why would someone send you away from a, a school and someone mind your class so you could go off and do nothing um, and, you know, learn with other teachers? You've been to teacher's college. You don't need to go to an in-service so Pat, you know, she had discovered that, there, that the uni in Sydney was offering free professional development and it was like, it was like an ISTE without technology. It was, um, you know, all of these different uh, wonderful teachers sharing their knowledge um, in, um, you know, in different lecture halls and we would just split up and we would get as much information and develop strategies of our own. So it was tough. Um, and, you know, like then again, nowadays, there are so many strategies, so many resources, so many ideas that teachers who are new to the profession go, oh, my gosh, this is like a tidal wave. Where do I start? 
Um, and, you know, that's coming back to mentorship, helping them build a path, carve a path through that and personalise it for themselves and for their students. So mentorship, clearly one of your biggest pieces of advice for new teachers. Um, are you mentoring? Are you a mentor now? Um, I am uh, for Google Innovators. Um, I'm mentoring a, an amazing woman in um, <clears throat> New Zealand uh, at the moment. Uh, actually, no, she's just got these wonderful ideas. She just, you know, she's inspiring me. But um yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to, you know, walk with someone as they're going through uh, a learning curve. But it's sometimes it's a case where, you know, you can be a bit of a nuisance saying, oh, I'll help, I'll help, I'll mentor you, when uh, clearly it's not a personal connection. They, you know, people might want someone else. So I'm available, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I am not... A technology person like Stephanie I'm a behavior person but everything you're telling me I'm like in awe right now like you're my idol I'm <laughs> just the connect like the the things that you've done the experiences that you had I feel like I've learned so much from you just in 25 minutes that I've been listening to you talk right now and I've known Leslie for two years and I never heard her mention jelly pads. I never heard her talk about her picture books or her home visits or learning a new language without learning. Um, what's the foreign language? The app? Is it Duo? Not Duo. Duolingo. Yeah, Duolingo. Like she had to go the hard way. Um, had to go the hard way. Everything never, was fun. Never has this been shared in the past two years of our friendship. So we're both learning a lot. Yeah. I just want to keep talking. How long do we have? However okay. long you want. <laughs> so what communities, if you were to give any advice to our new teachers, when we talk about what communities do you wish you would have been a part of that maybe people have access to now, how would you, what advice would you give our new teachers? Any professional development community that they can find that suits them and it's reciprocated, well, then I, that's the one to belong to. Uh, we, As I said, we didn't have anything. Um, we were isolated because there was no social media, because there was no opportunity for, you know, newsletters to go out and say, hey, if you want to learn something, come along here on a Saturday afternoon. Um, <clears throat> social media is so powerful these days and the world is so much smaller and the information is shared so much more quickly. Um uh, like, you know, I, I would urge teachers to make use of these communities to lighten their workload, which to some teachers it, it sounds confusing, like why do I need to take on something extra? But if you find, a, a like my professional development social um, media um, outlet um, development area is Twitter. So I would urge teachers to hone down and choose either Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever their, you know, their, their comfort zone is and just watch what's going on. Follow someone uh, and then, in, you know, increase their engagement by not just observing what's going on, um, like a post that you liked. Maybe comment on a person who posted some information and start the conversation 
then be able to retweet. That's gold to someone who has posted some information and some random person retweets it and says, I tried this last week and it really worked. Thanks so much for sharing. Then ask questions. I mean, that's how Stephanie and Abbott and I started rumbling around asking questions about uh, how do you start a GEG? You know, how do you become a leader? Uh, we didn't know where to start looking for those resources, so we dropped into a DM uh, in Twitter and started asking questions. More people came on board and then suddenly Global GEG evolved and uh, it's a place where we can go and ask questions, um, you know, develop our knowledge, have a little bit of a rant, have some fun. It's really important. And sometimes teachers need that outside their staff room. They need to know that there are other people outside that staff room door that are going through exactly the same things, regardless of what country they uh, work in. And it's really good to know that. 100% agree. I actually created Twitter um, years ago and it was just sitting there, not doing anything, maybe a post or two per year. I wouldn't get on and often. I didn't have my notifications on. It was a rare, rare occasion. I think the one time a year I got on was the innovation conference at Pickerington. And then other than that day, I never got on it. And then this year, Last year, I dabbled in it a little bit. And then this year, I have gotten on it and it's opened my eyes to like a whole new world and all kinds of resources. And just being able to share my resources as well and just feel good about somebody being able to use something and just keep to continue to share on and share on. Um, because maybe if somebody doesn't use it in your district, there might be somebody somewhere else in the country that is across the world that can use it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stephanie told me about um, uh, my uh, mentee. I'll name her, Donna uh, Golightly from New Zealand. And she had posted how her um, innovator program was going, you know, like her project was going. And Stephanie said, hey, her name was mentioned at the Ohio conference so I told Donna in New Zealand and she said really that's amazing but it was because it was uh, good it was catchy and people wanted to know more so that's I mean the world gets a lot smaller yeah it definitely gets smaller and I think too like you said getting outside of your school getting outside of those walls of your own school and you can have a different perspective I mean just today I was talking to a teacher Indiana, which isn't that far. And she works in a trauma, like it's like trauma certified school. And just some of the stories that she was telling me about like the focus of their district and some of the strategies that they use, I was learning so much because I was like, we've got trauma, you know, in our school, not to maybe some of that extent, some of our students maybe, but probably the amount of students know. Um, but it was just interesting. And you get to find your Saturday teachers, like John Crippa likes to say, where those people are sharing on a Saturday. They are going to a conference on a Saturday. And I found myself my first couple years of teaching surrounded by teachers that weren't those Saturday teachers. And I'm like, I want more. I want to I want to talk more about education, which is sometimes a negative, negative quality. Um, but it just it really helped to grow that 
network and to grow the knowledge and knowing I wasn't the only one crazy out there. <laughs> well, oh, and great, something yeah. we learned this year is sometimes the least um, suspected, like people that you would make a connection with, um, because I'm not a Google innovator. I'm not Google certified um, beyond level one. So you would never really think that Stephanie and I would have that common connection, but there was so many things that intertwined together. So pairing with also people that are not in your area, so mm -hmm. then you can feed off and, and feed off each other and learn from each other and, and have more, have more of a base knowledge and support you can't be an expert in everything. So if you put two experts together, you you create these teams of people that you just innovate and you learn and you keep creating and you never really know what you're going to get. No, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Leslie. So that brings us to what maybe words of wisdom would you provide first year teachers or teachers in general? Every teacher, you need to take care of yourself first <clears throat> because and we talk about Saturday teachers and there are Sunday teachers and there are holiday teachers and, you know, there's so much to do and you can burn out very quickly. So many resources, so many things to learn. You can burn out very quickly and that's why I've been loving Dan Jackson's book, work less, teach more. And Dan Jackson went to Innovator uh, Academy 2019 with Stephanie and I, uh, Aussie guy, and one of his chapters in the book focuses on what is your green space? Where do you go for a walk? Don't walk on the treadmill. Go for a walk because there's a whole lot of extra psychological benefits in going for a walk in a green space, you know, through the, you know, through the woods and the forest. Um, my space is a blue space because we've got the sea here. Um, take care of yourself first because you burn out very, very quickly. I'm buying that book today. Uh, it's so great. I think he's got it in audio as well, but it's work less, teach more. And um, it's, it's really refreshing. I'm reading it again. It is a good book. I've read it. And he gives so many different strategies. One of him, one of his strategies that he gives is like setting a schedule. So you're busy. You're like, hey, I'm going for a walk. It's in my calendar. And so you have to tell people no, like I can't do that because I'm doing this. Um, so I just appreciate his mindset because I am one that needs to take breaks and I'm not the best at it. Um, but he has really helped with that. So this week's call to action, we have some notes in here. We want you to become more engaged in your preferred social media, right? Um, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, find your space, find where you can connect with the people that you wanna connect with. Like, comment, retweet, DM, um, listen to some podcast. Like find this one, it's like great this podcast. One. Yes, um, how about, Google Educator Groups, tell us about that. What's your call to action there? Find a Google Educator Group near you. The GEGs are regionally based and they're led by volunteer leaders and um, they're, they're designed for teachers just like you 
who uh, who need a community, uh, some ideas, some support, and um, they are regionally based throughout the world. Uh, and if you can't find one near you, um, join another one in another country. It's okay. There are no real set rules. But then you find out what a GEG group is all about. And then if there's none in your area, make some inquiries and see if you can, um, you know, start one up. There's plenty of people who um, have gone that path before you, so ask people for some help. Great. Thank you so much. So how can people connect with you after today? Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Leslie Altman. Uh, my email, uh, leslie at lesliealtman.com. <clears throat> and I've just set up my uh, Lighthouse PD uh, website. Um, so... But I think Twitter is probably the quickest way and I'm quite happy if people want to practice talking Twitter talk to me. Fine. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, lo I love it. So good. So thank you so much for coming and being on with us today. Um, I I want you back. Like I, Hopefully <laughs> you'll come back soon because I'm learning so much and you're giving my, my brains like rolling along now. What else? What else can we talk about? What else can we pick your brain oh, for? That's lovely, Tara, because I've listened to your um, episodes and they're so packed full of ideas and strategy. I thought uh, I was a bit worried. <laughs> I was thinking, what can I contribute to this amazing uh, platform? Well, don't um, go backwards in your confidence level. <laughs> go back. Keep up that confidence level because continue sharing. You have so much to share and we thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos. Until next time.